listening to Foundry Church's weekly podcast, where our singular focus is to help people know, follow, and share Jesus. Our hope is that today's message would help you to encounter the living Christ in a new and transformative way. Well, if you're just joining us, we're in the last week of this series, Jesus the Christ, in the letter uh, from Paul to the Colossians. Um, We've been talking about the supremacy of Christ over creation, over the church, over sin, over our lives, over over everything, that that Christ is is sufficient for, for everything in life, and yet receiving Christ doesn't mean that life always gets easy, okay? This is one of the misperceptions that we have, misconceptions that we have, I think, a lot of times in the church. Uh, It's kind of like if a coach, I mean, who's ever heard a coach on the first day of practice say, all right, guys, this year it's going to be really easy. That's not the motivating message, right? I mean, it's going to be challenging, yes, but the message of Christ is that Christ has conquered all of the trouble of this world. Christ has conquered death and shame. Christ has conquered everything that we face, every enemy that we face. All the powers of darkness have been conquered through the cross and through his resurrection from the grave. And so Paul wants to make sure that they understand this so that they will live faith, live their faith out, that they won't just receive Jesus and then go about their life and then when things get hard, they'll give up. That would be very easy to do, wouldn't it? And so receiving Christ isn't just about our salvation, being rescued from sin and death. It's about uh, uh, salvation truly is more than that. Salvation is invitation into a relationship with Jesus that flourishes, that, that helps our life flourish in a more meaningful way than the ways this world says flourishing looks like. And so it's about relationship with God and relationship with other people being made right again, and and that will come under attack. Uh, Today we're in Colossians chapter four. We're gonna finish there. I'd encourage you to take your Bibles out, turn to the app on your phone, uh, but follow me in Colossians four, starting in verse two. Continue to be steadfast. There's a key word I want you to hold on to. In your prayers, Be watchful with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door, uh, open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of what? Of Christ on account of which I am in prison. So Paul's in prison for declaring the mystery of Christ, but he doesn't want to lose. He says that I may make it clear just which is how I ought to speak. He doesn't want there to be any deception any confusion, any distraction. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each question. So this is interesting, right? Paul, after declaring the supremacy of Jesus over all things, he reminds his readers to walk alive, this is where we've been the last few weeks, to walk as though they are alive in Jesus, to put off those old things and to walk with him, to be deeply rooted and established in his love. And and he reiterates again and again that the powers of Satan have been defeated, that we are to die to certain things and we are to live 
a different way. And then he gives these very important instructions, which are kind of like a pregame or a preseason speech. It's not, it's going to be easy, but it's you have, you have what it takes. If you will use what God has given you, you have what it takes to overcome the difficulties in this world. And he knows word has gotten back to him that they are struggling with, with some, they're, they're, they're bending under some pressures. There were cultural influences. There were many things that were pressuring the Christians, the early believers, you know, who are still sorting all of this out. You got to remember this is all new. They're sorting all this out with their faith and now they're, they're in the middle of persecution and Paul finds out that these cultural pressures are pressing in on them and they are really kind of wavering in their faith. And so he wants to remind them, Jesus is everything. Focus on Jesus. Focus on the cross. When you go through trouble, remember what Jesus went through and remember how he overcame it and remember this promise that the Holy Spirit is alive in you and in the same way that he was alive in Jesus, raising him from the dead. And so he utilizes these, these words first, steadfast. Steadfast, it's a strong word. It's a word I think we need to dwell on each and every day to remain steadfast. It, it has this, this it, it speaks to the idea of holding on or holding fast or uh, holding a, a holding point for something else. Like a ship has an anchor that holds it where it needs to be in safe harbor. Okay? Now, I, I'm not, I'm not, I grew up fishing. I, okay. I've been on a boat. I'm not my, my, my skill level. I'm not my, by any means, a a a, 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 an extremely, uh, wonderful navigator. Okay. But I do know a few little things. Okay. The first thing I know is that if you are on an open body of water, even if it seems calm, you will drift very quickly far from your original location without even realizing that you've moved. It's really remarkable because you can feel like you're sitting completely still. And, and most of the time there's some kind of current, there's some kind of breeze that you don't even recognize is there and you drift. I did not plan for the lake out here today, but, but maybe we can imagine like drifting. Okay. When you're on an open body of water, you can drift very easily without recognizing that you've even moved. Secondly, sometimes there are, sometimes there are strategic advantages for a fisherman to stay in one place. It's like, there's like a honey hole, you know, like in the cold weather, if you, if you like, like saltwater fishing like I do in the bays, then, then you, are, you wanna stay sometimes in one location because there's a hole there and all the fish come to the, to the deeper water, okay? And so if you can stay in that one spot, you're gonna have a good day. It's gonna be a good day, okay? But here's what, what, I've, what I've come to recognize is that you need certain instruments, certain tools in order to stay in one location. Not only can you quickly drift away from a location without recognizing it, if you're trying to stay in one place, it's still very difficult unless you have the right tools, 
okay? The anchor is one of those tools. Now, like, like what I'm jealous of, I, you know, if, you, if I, I could start a fund and you could get, donate to the fund for a power pole, I really want a power pole on my boat. Have you guys seen these? They're power pole. You press a button and it's like an anchor in shallow water. It just goes down into and stabs this thing in the ground and it keeps you right in one place. This has nothing to do with my, with my sermon other than, you know, like me wanting a power pole. But you need the right, you need the right instruments to do their job to keep you in that one place. Now, the early Christians, fascinatingly, uh, they didn't hang crosses in their houses. They didn't wear crosses around their neck. Why? Well, like if you think about it, it's pretty obvious, right? It was an excruciatingly uh, painful, torturous, agonizing I mean, it was one of the most hideous forms of execution ever invented, and this is how Jesus died. So for, we, for, for us, we see a cross, and we think of Jesus' act on the cross, and we think of his love, and we think of these things that, we think of our faith, that roots our faith, right? All of these things, the early Christians were not there yet in terms of seeing that sign in that way. In fact, most of the artifacts that we have from that period of time show us that what, they, what the sign that they used more often was the, the, the fish, the ichthus, which there's debate. Fishers of men is probably part of that. There's some other debates. I'm not gonna get into that, but another one is an anchor. Archaeologists have found these anchors. And, and you know, Paul and his missionary journeys, it was, they were, they were the, the Greeks were navigators and, and the world that they lived in, you know, they were, it was a maritime kind of culture in, in many places. And so that makes sense. But the anchor became, they understood the importance of staying in the safe harbor, of being grounded and, and, and attaching to the rock in a way that you can't be moved. Okay, so Paul captures, I think, some of this imagery that they understood. It reminds me even of in Hebrews, there's another passage where the writer says, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Seems to echo Paul's words, doesn't it? Lest we drift away from it. It seems to me that the early Christians were facing problems not so much different than us because it's very easy to drift. It's very easy to have all the best intentions and to have this mountaintop experience with Jesus and to come home and he spoke a word to us or our lives were changed or we, we devoted, you know, this year, this year is gonna be different, right? It's so easy for us to find ourselves unintentionally drifting away, unintentionally becoming lukewarm in our faith. Paul wants to make sure they don't forget this word, to stay steadfast, to be on the lookout for the, the, the influences that would push them away. Read it again. Continue to be steadfast in your, praise, in your prayers. Be watchful with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us. And then he goes on to explain that he wants them to pray for us, that he, that he wants them to pray for him and his, his, uh, his partners in the gospel that, that they would not uh, 
not, not drift away either, but they would remain clear and present the gospel in a powerful way that would transform lives. But if we, if we really pay attention, I think there are a couple of the key tools that we need, the instruments that anchor us to the rock, that keep us from drifting. What, he's, what does he say? He, talk, he says, continue to be steadfast in your prayers. Friends, our prayer life matters. And I know for some of us, like, Maybe we're newer to the faith. Maybe we've grown up around church and we haven't really grown. And, and you know, we hear other people who, who say eloquent prayers and, you know, they've got all the these and the thighs and whatever, or it feels ancient and it feels weird and awkward and we think we could never pray that way. Let me just tell you, prayer is not that complicated. Prayer is communication, but it does take work. Any, that's true in any relationship, Right? How many of you would say, communication is the easiest thing in my life? No, okay? Communication does take work. Communication can be difficult. And a lot of people, when I talk to them about prayer, they're like, I just, I don't know how I can pray to a God that I don't see, like I want to pray, but I don't have the words. And, and you know, listen, that's okay. Start where you are. Let me give you a couple easy ways to begin praying, maybe if it's not a practice of yours, some simple ways to kind of think about prayer. First kind of prayer, and actually I think that these two will combat two of the biggest uh, pressures that we face that will lead us to drift away from God. In our world, I think in their world too. That's cynicism and apathy. Anybody with me that cynicism is an issue in our world? There were growingly a world full of cynics we can see the problems, but we don't have solutions. And you know what that does? That leads to the second one. That leads to apathy, doesn't it? Because if I don't think it's gonna make any difference, if I don't think that there's a way out, if I think that everything's bad and all I'm focused on is the problems in the world, which they are there, okay? I'm not denying them. But our attitude and our approach to the, wrong, to the things that are wrong in the world makes a huge difference because when we become cynical, it leads to apathy, it leads us to think, well, I can't do any good, I can't make any difference, so what difference does it make anyway? I'll just go about my life and try to be as happy as I can. Well, listen, that's antithetical to what the gospel teaches us about life. The gospel teaches us that yes, there'll be problems, but there is a hope, and when we place our hope in him that we start to strive towards those things that we're rooted in Christ and that our life will produce fruit, doesn't mean our life will be easy, but we won't be apathetic. Now here are the two prayers, okay? I, I, I am gonna give you those, okay? The first prayer is this. The first prayer is what Paul says, to be watchful, to be watchful. So the prayer is simply this. God, show me. It can be whatever. That can take shape different ways, right? Show me your will. Lord, I'm facing a difficult decision. Will you just, will you show me your will? Okay, because what that does, God's gonna do things to reveal his will, but what you're doing is you're, you're in that prayer, you're reminding yourself to be watchful. And so as you go through the day, you're gonna be more attuned to the spirit. So it's a two-way communication where God is communicating as well to you through his spirit and through circumstances and through other people. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed a prayer and that day somebody comes and says something to me It's like, that couldn't have been a coincidence. Lord, show me, reveal to me, 
okay? This watchful prayer is the first prayer. And that's simple, right? God, I wanna see you today. God, I wanna hear from you today. Lord, open my heart, open my mind, open my ears. Let me perceive what you're doing, okay? Now, now customize it, right? It depends on what you're facing in that day, what you pray. But the general prayer is, a, Lord, show me, reveal to me. Uh, the, second, the second prayer is, God, help me. Now, I need to pray this one a lot. I don't know about you. God, help me. God, give me courage. You see, there's wisdom, there's knowing the right thing to do, and then doing the right thing is a totally second step, right? That's not automatic. Lord, show me, and Lord, help me. It might be a problem you're facing, a challenge you're facing that you need the strength to overcome. You, you, you might need that wisdom to know what to do, but, but God help me is all, always about action. It's always about moving us to respond to what he shows us in the right way. And I'll just be honest, sometimes my God help me is, is angry. It's frustrated. It's Lord, I'm trying to do your will. <laughs> Can you please can we have a breakthrough here? Can you please help me with overcome this? Right, I, I, I'm stuck here, Lord, because I thought I was doing what you wanted me to do, and now all the circumstances aren't just lining up. Okay, so either this is us together, I need you to do this, or this is just therapy for me, but it's, but it's, but it's true. Are you with me? Like, there are those moments, right? When if we're really honest with God, if we're really honest with God, and we really communicate with God, there's a lot that we don't know. There's a lot that we struggle with. We have a lot of questions, and we want, and we want answers, but they don't always come, and so Paul is encouraging them not to fall into apathy, not to fall into cynicism by remaining watchful in their prayers, and then thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, watchful, and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a huge prayer because, you know, this is actually, this is the third type of prayer. It's a bonus, okay? I told you two, there's three. Thankful prayers are huge. And, and thankful prayers don't feel like prayers a lot of times. But they are. And it's not because God needs a pick-me-up. God is not having a, a midlife crisis, <laughs> God, is, God is not low, does not have low self-esteem and need you to praise him or thank him for what he's done. But what happens when we thank God is it changes our perspective on the circumstances in our eye. It changes our hearts when we, when we give thanks to God for what he has done. When we give him praise, it lifts our eyes above the things that, yes, might not be perfect in our world or in our lives, but it helps us to focus on him. It helps us to, to, to see his hand, to see what he's done. And it changes our perspective and it put, moves us in, out of apathy and into action when we practice a life of thanksgiving. Um, Henry Nouwen says it this way, let, to let oneself drift along passively accepting the tenets and values of society is purely and simply a disaster. This is disastrous to our faith when we will allow ourselves to fall uh, into kind of a rote Christian life where we're just going through the motions and what you will find is that you will drift. You will drift and you'll find yourself in a different place. 
Now the other part of what Paul, and anytime you're reading Paul's letters, usually, okay, he's not speaking to you individually or to the readers individually. It's one of my biggest beefs with biblical interpretation, I have to say, because in the Greek, it's clearly plural. So when he says you, I don't know why they don't just say y'all. Right, why don't they just write y'all? It should be, maybe I need a Southerner's, you know, the, the Southerner's interpretive, you know, in, uh, version of the Bible. Uh, can we get an amen for that, right? Okay, so y'all, and this is important actually, y'all, it is, because part of this prayer is that we do, we, our prayer life is not just you and God in the closet, that's part of your prayer life, but your prayer is community, and so that's why in a few weeks, I've said this the last couple of weeks, we're gonna be launching new groups for Lent. And we want you to really consider jumping in. It's just a four to six week commitment. We're making a short term commitment because we know, you know, like it, the, the, the idea of signing up for a group that's indefinite with a group of people that you might not even know. And, you know, one way to, to, to counteract that would be to get a group of people that you do know together. Okay, and form a new group, but we'll have groups. If, if you don't have a group, we, we would love for you to jump into a group. It's a four to six week commitment. If, if it's working, we would encourage those groups to continue, but you know, if, you, if you're like, these people are weird, then you're out, it's fine. Like no, no long-term commitment. Um, but I do believe, I do believe that, that praying together, right, not these, not just flowery, elaborate, but like when, when I've had so many conversations with people where we, we're wrestling with something, um, they're asking for, for my counsel, and I'm like, I'm at a loss like sometimes for what to tell you right now, but why don't we pray? And when we pray together, the Lord always does something, like you, it's ten, you can sense it in the room that the Holy Spirit is doing something. And sometimes that means, you know, tears begin to well up in eyes. Other times it's like God gives a reassurance or a wisdom. But sometimes somebody else needs to pray over you. Friends, I had those days too. I had one of those days this week. I'm like, please, Somebody else pray because today I don't know that I have the words or the strength or I'm definitely falling into cynicism and I don't want to be apathetic because of the circumstances. And I need people in my life who are going to pray for me, who are going to encourage me. You need that. We all need that. And this is what Paul wants them to experience is this life of, of praying, like what he wrote to the Ephesians, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayers and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. This is community, communal prayer that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Listen. Remaining steadfast, remaining anchored, not drifting is gonna require us to live this life of prayer, of seeking God's wisdom, of seeking his courage, and of giving thanks to him, and those thanksgiving prayers transforming our way of seeing the world. Um, John Wesley, the, the, uh, the founder of the Methodist 
revival movement. It wasn't a denomination. It was a renewal movement in the Church of England that, that brought a great awakening, was a key contributor to the great awakening that saved probably a nation. If you read the history books about England and they leave this out, it saved the nation of England, the spiritual revival that came. And then it spread to the new continent. And, but when Wesley was about 21 years old, he was growing up, he was studying at Oxford and he was a little like an Oxford, like you would think. He was a little uppity. He was a little sarcastic. And, you know, he had been given all of these uh, wonderful things in his life. He had been gifted with a keen mind and with good looks and with a, a, a good family. And, and, and yet one night, um, something was set in motion that changed Wesley's heart. He, he came across a porter who he had seen many times, but they had a conversation that he would later journal about. And he discovered that this porter that he would see, the servant that he would see every day, had lived in such impoverished com um, conditions that he, didn't ha he only had one coat, and he found out that he didn't have a bed to sleep on when he went home. And Wesley, being a little immature and uh, probably a little awkward in that moment, just commented, well, is there anything else that you'd like to give thanks to God for? And remarkably, this man responded this way. He said, I thank him that he has given me my life and my being. He has given me a heart to love him and a constant desire to serve him. You talk about a clear witness what must that have done to Wesley's heart? He wrote it in his journal, and years later, when he was on his deathbed at 88 years old, he sang out a hymn of thanksgiving to God that looks a whole lot like the words that the porter said to him that day. See, thanksgiving shapes our reality. It doesn't change our circumstances, but it changes the way that we see the circumstances and the way that we're, that we're able to see God at work in them. Friends, I, I, I say all of this to you as, as, a, as one who struggles with you, okay? Sometimes standing up on this stage, I, I think that the fear is that, that you think that my spiritual life or, or my uh, walk with God or my faith is, is somehow uh, uh, not uh, something that you can relate to because of my position, but let me just tell you, like, I struggle with these things too. Like, sometimes it feels a little like I'm drifting. It can be very easy to fall out of the habit of, of a good prayer life that, that says, that speaks thanksgiving to God and asks God to open my eyes. And let me just tell you, circumstances are hard for me too, okay? And there are times when my prayers are like, why God? Um, a lot of you know our story, like part of our story six years ago, um, we felt the Lord leading us to be foster parents. And so, um, and I gave a sermon from this stage one Sunday where I said, you know, we were, we were preaching on the Good Samaritan. You remember the story? They're the religious leaders that go by this man who's been wounded and beaten up on the side of the road, and Jesus tells his story, and, and they go around him because they're concerned with their duties, their religious duties, that, that, that if they stop and help the man, they're not gonna be able to do their job. 
But a Samaritan, who's supposed to be the bad guy, you know, comes along, he sees the man, and of course he becomes the hero of the story because he stops and helps the man. And I said, you know what, what struck me, what occurred to me is that they're just asking two different questions. The religious leaders are asking, what will happen to me if I stop and help? The Samaritan instead asks, what will happen to him if I don't stop and help? And it was like God pierced our hearts in that moment. We said, yes, Lord, we're, we're gonna do what we feel like you've called us to do. Now, listen, I know some people can take that to a, an unhealthy, you can't solve every problem in the world. You're not responsible for other people's decisions. If I've learned anything, I've learned that. <laughs> uh, because we fostered the boys um, for about 18 months and we helped their family get back on their feet and we walked along beside the parents through drug rehab and we helped them get a home, we helped them get jobs. They were back on their feet, the boys went back. And I can say that at that moment, I thought it was like so grateful for what God had done, praising God, and thank you for letting us be a part of this. And then two years later, their lives fall apart again. And they run back to their own life, old life. And so we got a call this September uh, that the boys were kind of, the parents were in jail and the boys had been neglected. And they were running around the neighborhood begging people for food. And it broke our hearts. And we didn't know what to do, so we called the, the, the authorities and had them meet us there. And the process didn't go the way that it normally goes. And we we got permission to bring them back and we've had them since September and they've made a lot of, uh, they've made a lot of, uh, of real improvement, but friends, it's broken. Doing what God called us to do did not mean that everything went just perfectly. And there's a lot, there's a lot of days when I'm like, God, is this really what you called us to do? <laughs> really, like, is this what you do to us when we say yes? <laughs> They're like, you just need to be honest about those things because there are a lot of other moments when I don't feel that way. There are a lot of other moments when I realize what a huge difference that we're gonna make in their life, whatever the future holds. We don't know the future, but today we're gonna do what we feel like God has called us to do. And the system is broken and everything else and we can't just throw our hands up and be apathetic, but we can't solve every problem either. And so we just have to be faithful and every day pray those prayers. God, show us, show us what you wanna do and give us strength and courage to do it and help us to persevere in thanksgiving. There are many things to be thankful for, even in the darkest days. And so that's my prayer for you, that as we gather, that, that, that I share that testimony, that it might encourage you to be faithful wherever God has put you and placed you. Do not, friends, drift. Do not let the pressures of this world pull you away from the life that God died to give you. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you that you are a good God, a gracious God, a faithful God. Thank you for our lives and for what you have given us. And Lord, I pray right now over each one of us, some of us, it's a word of encouragement we need that your spirit is there. 
that you are speaking to us, Lord, and you are bringing strength. And no, it doesn't mean that life won't have its problems, but that we can trust in you that the last, the last chapter is a chapter where you make all things new again. And so God, we pray that that reality might break forth in our lives, where we live, where we work, where we study, where we play. God, that we would be that kind of witness that you have called us to be, to be seasoned with salt because we live lives steadfastly attached to the rock that is Jesus. So I pray for encouragement. I pray, Lord, for those of us who would say, yeah, I realize today I'm looking around and I realize I've been in a season of drifting. And Lord, I, I, I thank you that your forgiveness is endless, that your faithfulness is, is, is perfect and unending, and that you just call us home. And you invite us to put the anchor down again where we should be. And so Lord, I pray that today would be that day for, for some of us, that we would say yes to you again that we would say yes to your grace again. Lord, that we would trust you in the uncertainty again. And God, come and be our rock. You are sufficient. We thank you for these words today and what they remind us of this truth that is timeless, that you are our God. You are sufficient for all our needs, Lord, and that you will carry us through whatever comes in life. Lord, help us just to remain connected to you Encourage our faith today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are so grateful that you joined us today and invite you to visit us online at foundrychurch.org for more information on how you can worship, serve, and get connected with us.